What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Starstock. You've heard me talk about them in the past, and now the website has been launched for a few weeks, and it looks really, really great. One of the best parts about the site is the fact that you can just send the cards in and you don't have to worry about making any listings or taking any pictures. You just send the cards in and they basically do all the work for you, which is really awesome. Another great part about the company is actually their website. So I'm somebody that uses the internet pretty frequently, and one of my pet peeves is when the site doesn't optimize for mobile. So Starstock's site does do this when you're on mobile versus desktop, and it's super easy to navigate. Now you can go to the website and register as a seller right from the site. You don't have to do any contact. And soon I've heard they're going to be getting some graded cards up on the website as well. So you can go to starstock.com to check out that. And then you can also go follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Starstock Market. Now let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Adam. I am your host. So obviously at this point, you probably have heard the big news that baseball has finally agreed They've agreed to a schedule. They've agreed to the health and safety protocols. And it looks like July 1st, they're going to be starting training camp, which I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. If it's going to mean, since it's basically the first major, I guess soccer is technically, they've been practicing, but it's going to be the first major sport to come back. So for baseball, I guess, I don't know how, like, I'm not. I played baseball as a kid, but like I don't, I don't know how much. It, it's going to be interesting. That's what I'll say, and I'll be interested to see when the schedule comes back. Exactly how the schedule is structured as well, uh, because like there's six. There's the sixty games because I think they said that they're starting. The uh, camp or whatever opens uh, the first, and then I think the first like opening day is July twenty third and twenty fourth for most teams. So they've got like three weeks basically to get ready. I don't, obviously, there's going to be no fans in the stands, but you know, I know everybody was clowning on the idea of uh, crowd noise on the TV broadcast. But if you've watched any of the Premier League or any of the Bundesliga, like I think they've done a pretty good job with the with the crowd noise. So like I'm hoping that they take a take a play out of from them rather than them trying to like recreate the wheel here because I think they've done a pretty good job with with what they've had. And I don't know I don't know, you know, there's the apps or whatever that say like if you're a fan you can come and you can cheer on these apps. I don't know how much of that sound they're actually using realistically, but either way, the sound the crowd noise that they're using um I mean, I think they're doing a really good job with that. So, it, And I think they're also, the production is doing a good job of not, like, basically just not panning into the seats, which I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping that baseball does this, which it's tough because, no, I, I don't know if it'll be tough. I mean, I, I, I just think that they need to figure out a way, and I haven't really watched the Korean Baseball League for a while, so I don't know, I don't exactly know how they're doing it. I know they did this one funny thing where they put all the player or they put a bunch of stuffed animals behind home plate. That was pretty funny. Um, but for 
the, I mean, I guess the other kind of big news is that Series 2 is coming out, I think it's this week. I think it's it's supposed to be on Friday, I'm pretty sure. So the checklist may or may not be out by the time you're listening to this. So, I mean, Luis Robert will probably be on that checklist. I would imagine a player like Mackenzie Gore will probably be on that checklist, and these will be some of their first rookie cards. I was looking at... Actually, let me see if I still have that webpage up. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Because I was looking up the prospects and like their estimated time. I, I think Joe Adele may be another one. Um, I'm just looking at players who wouldn't have... Nate, Pe- Nate Pearson, I guess he may be on that list. Casey Mize may be on that list. Joey Bart, maybe. I, I, it depends on like what the rosters are going to look like. I think Joey Bart... Because if you look at the San Francisco, this is one thing I was looking up. If you look at the San Francisco Giants depth chart, he's the third catcher on the on the depth chart. So I don't know if that means he's going to be um, in in this product or not. Uh, so Christian Pache may be another one. So there, I think there will be some decently big names in this series too, kind of depending on how... I think there are going to be some ex- exceptions, and I think there probably will be some players that should be on the Series 2 checklist that will be held out until Top's Update because Top's Update is usually players that get called up from the minors throughout the rest of the season, which, you know, the minor league season, I think, is canceled, so there's not going to be any players really getting called up. And the one thing I didn't see was roster expansion. I I, I I didn't see anything about that, so I'm not 100% sure if it's the same size rosters or if it's like a 40-man roster or if they're expanding them any larger than they are already. Um, but, like, I mean, rookies, like, I'm just looking at other, other rookies that are in the majors now um, that were on the other, that are in Series 1. So, I mean, a lot of the, like, Gavin Lux... Um, Let's see who else. Jesus Lazardo. Um, I'm trying to find some. Brandon McKay was also on that checklist. And then people who just aren't on the list anymore are were also on that checklist as well. So I think it will be interesting this year how the the rookie is treated. Because like is is a player like, you know. Like Luis Robert, well, actually, so no, he's actually not a good example because he's signed an extension already. But like, is a player that could get called up, like Joey Bart, like, is this going to be a year of service time for him, or is this going to be like one of those weird things where the player gets called up halfway through the season and it doesn't count as a full year of service time? Like, I believe Chris Bryant, they did this with him, and I think they even did it with Vlad Jr., which like. That's a whole nother conversation that I think is going to be one of the big sticking points of the C- the next CBA, which is coming up, which, like like it or not, the next CBA is going to be a it's going to be a fight. Because if this was a if this was a fight just to get this season in, the next one there's going to be I don't know what the demands of both sides are gonna be, but there's gonna have to be some changes. I would hope there would be some changes in the way that the service time works. Because that's another thing with baseball. It like you are in the minors for two, three, four years, and then you get up to the majors, and you still you have to play five years with one team on a rookie contract, basically, 
and if you're good enough like Mookie Betts was, you can go through arbitration, you can get paid more, but like you're almost you're not getting your first contract until you're 28 or 29 years old, and by that point it's like you're in the second half of your career for the most part. Like Mookie Betts, I think he's he's going to be signing if he and it depends on what he wants to do as well. This is the other thing with Mookie Betts. Like if he wants to sign a one-year deal and then cuz I was listening to sports radio in Boston yesterday and this is what they were saying about Mookie Betts. They were saying that he may sign a one-year deal and then go into free agency next year and try and get that big money that he would have gotten probably if he had just been able to play this year, the full year. Um, So for him, like he is signing a however many years, like Mike, or Mike Trout's another example. Like he's signing a contract for basically what is this these next four or five years, and then after that, I think there should probably be a decline in his play. That's just how it works. It's the same with, like, Bryce Harper. It's the same with, like, Manny Machado. They're signing, like, a $30 million a year contract, but if you... It's not structured this way, but if you think about it, realistically, what they are getting paid is they're getting paid, like, $35, $35 million a year for five years, and then $25 million a year for the next five, depending on... And it, that that's very layman's terms, I guess. That's a very basic way of looking at the contracts. Like, you're paying more for these first few years of the contract, and in the back end, that's kind of where... I don't know what you're going to do because I mean with baseball you've got the full you've got fully guaranteed contracts and it almost seems like that may be a sticking point for the owners like saying like we're not going to give you full guaranteed contracts anymore because of how many players sign these huge deals and then in the like 8th, ninth, 10th year which there aren't many players signing a 10 year deal but like in like maybe I don't know, let's say six, year six, seven, or eight, that's when you start to see a pretty decent decline, but they're still getting paid like they were in years one and two. And that just doesn't really, that doesn't make sense from an owner's standpoint, which granted, like, it's on the owners for signing these contracts. Like, I'm not sitting here crying poor for the owners. Like, they're the ones that are signing these players to $300 million 10-year contracts. Like, but at the same time, like, there's no... I don't know. I don't know if the owners would be allowed to do this. Like, if the owners were just like, "Don't, don't do these contracts anymore." Like, if all the owners just agreed to not do the contracts, like, that would then not let them do it in the in a way, I guess. But all the owners would have to be on board because it would only take one rogue owner to be like, "No, I'll just, I'll just do it because I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be selling the team in four or five years anyways." So, like, who, who cares if? that contract in four or five years is bad because I won't even own the team at that point. And, or maybe, and maybe, and maybe it's not even a selling and maybe it's just, I want to, I want to, this is the same thing. This is with the Warriors mindset. They said they'll pay extra money. They'll pay whatever to win championships because winning a championship is going to get them more revenue in than not winning a championship. But the money that they're spending is worth, worth it because they're making X amount more by winning a championship, even though they're paying however much over the luxury tax. I think that's similar to what baseball owners look at when they're signing these big contracts, but at the same time, like, I don't know when the last, like, I think these are, these Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout contracts, I feel like we're not going to see many more of these in the future, 
because of the way that the last part of the contract looks. Like, I think uh, Albert Pujols was another player who signed, like, one of these monster 10-year contracts, and, like, he's towards the end of his his deal now. And it's not like these players are going to retire by before the contract is over, because it's like, if it's fully guaranteed, they're going to be getting the money. So... What does this mean for cards? Since I've kind of talked about baseball and all this stuff. So I think for superstars, this will probably be good for baseball. I think, I I mean, I'm going to be a little bit timid when I'm buying, if I'm going to be buying baseball because of what I think could happen in the next few years, which would be a labor stoppage with the CBA uh, being up in a few years. I also... There's, I mean, there for me, there's no way I'm buying prospects anymore. Like, I have never really been into buying prospects, but, like, for me, that's over. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. If I'm opening a pack or if I'm buying a prospect, I'm trying to flip it as soon as I can, so I'm not going to be buying it, really. But, like, if I were opening a pack and I wanted to sell, I'm selling the prospect immediately, and I'm going to be going into buying some basketball. That's just kind of my mindset, I think. Baseball, I have a lot of vested interest because it's where I kind of started and it's how I started with a lot of my research, but I just think that the sport itself is in some trouble and I think basketball is in like the complete opposite spectrum where it's like it's so it's such in a good place right now that there's no way that it's going to it's just going to continue to grow in popularity until it's like basketball. I feel like basketball and soccer are going to be like they're going to go hand in hand with top sports in the world in like 10 years. Because I think what we're also seeing in the NBA now is we're seeing more foreign players kind of come in like the Giannis. We're seeing like Luka. We're seeing players like Jokic. Like all these, and that's not to say that the American talent isn't phenomenal as well, but like we're seeing a lot of foreign talent come in. Like I think the, the fact that two of the top five players right now, which are Luka and Giannis, are foreign players, is phenomenal for the sport. Because that's bringing maybe a market of people who weren't going to follow the league because they didn't like any of the players because maybe, I don't know, they and it's it's similar with soccer. Like, maybe they don't like soccer because, for whatever reason, I think the one big barrier for soccer opposed to basketball is that with soccer you have stuff like the World Cup where it's like, at any any four years, there could be one team that could have a bunch of young stars where basketball, if, if it's, for the most part, I would say, you're probably going to see the U.S. winning a lot of any tournament that they're in, if they're putting their best players. Like, I think the Olympics were supposed, the Olympics were supposed to be this summer, and I don't remember if they made the roster yet, but I would say that the Olympic roster right now for Team USA, even if it's second and third tier players is probably the best in the world, but if not the best, then like close to it. Like Australia is another one. Like you have Ben Simmons coming from Australia. So, and then you have like, uh, Rui, uh, uh, I, I always pronounce his last name. I think it's, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but Rui, he's like Japanese. So like, that's another market that's coming in. So you're seeing a lot of these foreign players coming in. And I think that's big for the market. So if I am, you know, from from a card perspective, if I were to be like I like opening baseball because it's 
inexpensive and it's relatively easy to find. But like if I'm opening any product and I'm pulling a card that's worth of any value, I'm selling it and I'm going to put that money towards basketball. But in all actuality, I don't typically, unless I pull something crazy, I'm not selling a lot of stuff I'm pulling out of boxes. Like granted, I'm only opening, like I opened one box of Bowman and I found a few cellos like at Target. So like I didn't, um, like I go actually, so out of the blaster box, I did pull a gold first Bowman of somebody on the Rangers, Huff, I think his name is, which actually that was like a $50 card. So like realistically, I think I want to sell that card and then I would put the $50 towards like, I don't know, anybody in the NBA. Like I think the, the second, third tier players are worth the risk in the NBA over the risk that you're spending on these top tier prospects. That's kind of how I look at it. And I think that's sort of not how that's not I feel like that's not how the market is right now. Like I feel like MLB prospects are still the top tier of like a collector investor, like most data, most everything. But like, I just think that there's a better you, you, you have a, what is it? There's less risk in buying a second or third tier NBA player versus buying a top tier prospect because of the the longevity of how long you have to wait for that player to actually bring you back a significant amount of money. And you look at the top tier MLB players and you look at their cards and it's like, right now prospects cards are more expensive than top tier MLB players. So like that doesn't, those two things don't make any sense to me. So, like, that's why I would be selling baseball. Now, selling prospects in baseball. I think buying upper-tier, top-level players, like, in their fifth, sixth year that are, like, like a Yelich or, like, a Trout or, like, a Mookie Betts or, like, an, a Nolan Arenado or a Chris Bryant. Like, buying the – or Alex Bregman. Top-tier players that – you can still get their cards for fairly inexpensive. I mean, I would even maybe put, like, uh, Aaron Judge into that conversation as well. But I think you can still buy their cards for relatively inexpensive. And if I think at, once you're in the fifth, sixth year, you're not really looking at you're not looking at as much risk if this player is in the top of the league. Like Yelich, even if you had been buying Yelich three or four years ago, he just became MVP. I think it was either so it was two years ago he was the MVP. So if you were buying three to four years ago, you probably could have been buying Yelich pennies on the dollar. And then when he wins MVP and now he's like always going to be competing or last year he was competing for MVP again. We'll see what happens this year. But like if he continues to compete for an MVP, like that's obviously going to be huge. So if you, like I said, you could have made huge gains on Yelich, but it almost feels like there are, there are less, there, there are going to be, less Yelich type players in the MLB than there are like a like a Tatum type player in the NBA, if that makes sense. Like Tatum has kind of cemented he was a rookie 2017 high draft pick. And he was a high draft pick. So and you even could have been buying his cards at the beginning of the season, I think this year, for like forty to fifty bucks for a PSA ten. And now his PSA tens are in the like three, four, five hundred dollar range. So like I think there's going to be more players like that who are maybe top draft picks, maybe they're not, but have these cards that are fairly cheap and then they can make a run for their team or in the league. And it, it and it's going to be, for them, I think what ends up happening is that the 
in the NBA, you have only have 12 players. So, like, if a player becomes goes from, like, your fourth or fifth best player to your best player, they're, um, no, no. Like, if you go from a fifth or sixth best player on your team, which Tatum was, I, I don't know, as a rookie, I guess you could say he was maybe, he was still in the top two or three. But, like, if you're going from that level, like a mid-tier level, to, like, a top tier two, three, one, I just counted not in the same order, doesn't matter. But the, if you're going into that top three players, you could be the face of your franchise. So I feel like that's... But if you're going face of your franchise and actually make a difference. But with the MLB, I feel like the issue is with, like, the top... If you look at the top three players, like, the third best player on an MLB team is, like... He he might not even be, like... There's a chance that if you're depending on the team, he may not even be in the top, like... 25 to 30 players in the whole entire league. Like, granted, there's like 30 teams, I think, in the MLB. So if you're like the third best player on your team, that's a total of 90 players. But like, it, you see, you kind of see the math that I'm doing here and seeing how basketball, I feel like, is just has much more upside than baseball. Now, baseball is, is, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's been what I have kind of grown with a little bit. Like, it's what I started with, so it, it like, it does kind of hurt a little bit to not really be as invested. Like, I'm still looking into prospects and still, like, looking at rookies and knowing what the top rookies are that year, but, like, it, it just, it's annoying that, like, they, they can't figure out how to make these stars better, and in turn, that would then make the cards more valuable, I guess. So that's, I mean, that's basically it. I'm excited for MLB to come back. It, if it's going to be, I hope it's a good season. I hope they figure out how to make it an exciting season, expanded playoffs, all that type of stuff. So we're about a month away. The end of July is going to be ridiculous because we're going to have the ending of that MLS tournament. You're going to have baseballs back. Basketball is going to be back. You'll still have some uh, some soccer. I think Champions League will be back. So it's going to be exciting. So get ready. Thank you all for listening to this episode. Go follow our sponsor on Instagram and Twitter at Starstock Market. And then you can follow, excuse me, you can follow me at Heroes for Sale on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you in the next episode.